you're visiting for the first time or whether you're in person or watching online, we appreciate that you've chosen to worship with us today. It's a privilege uh, for us to worship alongside of you. Um, if you've been with us at all this summer, you know that we have been in a series on the Psalms, particularly a set of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. Those were the Psalms that the Israelites would sing as they traveled to Jerusalem several times a year uh, for various different festivals. And they would travel to worship at uh, the house of the Lord, God's temple in Jerusalem, and they would sing these various different songs. So we've come to the end of that series. Uh, we're beginning a series next week on what we believe, uh, particularly focused on some of our uh, creeds. But as we conclude this morning, we'll be looking at Psalm 134. It's the, it's the shortest psalm in the Psalms of Ascent, the second shortest of all the psalms. And there's a reason for that. It fits its purpose, which is it's attempting to summarize what we've been talking about, about worship over the last few weeks. The Israelites have come now to Jerusalem. They're in the temple. They're worshiping God. And what is the purpose of that? That's what this psalm attempts to teach us, or at least to summarize for us. So I'm going to read it for us. You can turn to page 519 in the Pew Bible, or if you have your own Bible, uh, turn there and follow along these three verses. Psalm 134. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place. And bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. So if you notice, this psalm begins just like one of our Sunday mornings begins. With a call to worship, right? Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And it also ends like one of our Sunday mornings ends with a benediction. May the Lord bless you from Zion. So we're ending the Psalms of Ascent with this short reminder of what worship looks like. Worship begins with a call, inviting us into worship, and worship ends with a benediction, sending us out from worship. But this is also a reminder about what the central theme of worship is, right? There's one word that's repeated in each one of these verses, and that is the word bless. The, at its core, worship here on Sunday mornings is about blessing. And the psalm highlights two aspects of that blessing. First, us blessing God. And then second, God blessing us. So we're going to look at those two things very briefly this morning. Uh, look back at the first two verses with me. We'll look at us blessing God. The focus here is on God's people gathering together and blessing him. You could say praising him or honoring him, whatever word you choose to use there. The idea of blessing the Lord. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. And so we see in this call both an invitation and a command. First, an invitation. How is it an invitation? Well, what is an invitation? Pretty sure everyone in here has received some sort of invitation. 
at some point before. I was invited just a few weeks ago to a birthday party. That invitation told me where the party was going to be. It told me who was coming to the party, who was invited to the party. And it called me into that. Right? It says, we want you to join us. You're over here. We're going to be here for this party, this group of people. Come and join us. So any invitation welcomes someone into a particular place with a particular group of people. And that's what we see in this introduction here. Come bless the Lord is an invitation because it first calls us to a place. Verses 1 and 2 says that we bless the Lord at a particular place. Where? In the house of the Lord. In the holy place. And it also calls us to do that with a particular group of people. Verse 1 says, all the servants of the Lord. And so an invitation like that ought to encourage us this morning. It should encourage us because it doesn't exclude any of us. It doesn't give any caveats for a reason you might not be invited. No matter how your week has gone, you're still invited. No matter how your morning has started today, you're still invited. I know that some of you have been wrestling with temptation this week, sin that you can't seem to be able to resist. You're invited. Come and join God's people and bless him. I know that some of you fought with your spouse or your kids on the way over here this morning. You're invited. Come and worship God with his people and bless him. Some of you felt lonely this week or it's been a tough week relationally with friends or with family. You're invited. Come and join God's people and bless him. Some of you are anxious about health concerns, your own or friends or families. You're invited. Come and join God's people and bless him. Some of you are even coming this morning doubting God's goodness, unsure about who he is or what he's doing in your life right now. You're invited. Come and join God's people to bless him. Each one of us is bringing different emotions, different anxieties, different fears, different doubts, different sins into this place this morning. But what this psalm reminds us is that God isn't looking at you saying, hold on, wait a minute, why are you here? This invitation isn't for you. Instead, he's saying, no, all of you are invited. You are invited. Come in. Join this family. And together, bless me. Now, I know for some of you that's hard to believe. But that's why the invitation is for all the servants of the Lord. So no one can exclude themselves from it. We come and we bless God together as a family. And even if you're here this morning and you are excited, you are feeling joyful, you're here to bless the Lord, that's an encouragement to you. Maybe the person next to you isn't. Maybe they're not excited. You have an opportunity to extend that invitation to them. I hope that each of you this morning, either you already have or you can after the service, say to someone else, I'm glad you're here. Let's bless the Lord together. So this, this idea of 
this invitation being for all of us, no matter where we are, is also why this is a command. I mentioned in a sermon a few weeks ago on Psalm 122 that often the way we think is something along these lines. We think, I first have to feel like blessing the Lord. I first have to be motivated enough to bless the Lord. I have to have the right heart attitude first. Otherwise, it's not authentic for me to come and bless the Lord. I shouldn't do it. Because then it wouldn't be honest. And that would make me a hypocrite to come and bless the Lord if I'm not feeling like it. But just like Psalm 122, our psalm this morning actually says that's the opposite of what's true. I'll remind you of the quote I used from Eugene Peterson last time, and I'll give it to you again this time. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity in doing it. But the wisdom of God says something different, that we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God. And that's the case in our psalm this morning. It's why it encourages us to come to a place, to join a set of people, to physically lift up our hands to the holy place and to bless God. More and more studies are telling us that physical action, going to a place, lifting up your hands, those physical actions have enormous impact on what happens in our hearts and our minds. So coming to worship the Lord, joining his people, lifting up your hands in worship, that begins to shape your heart, even when your heart feels disconnected from God or his people. So neither the invitation or the command excludes us because of where we find ourselves this morning. I know for many of us it can be difficult to find the motivation to come to worship. There have been church scandals. There have been tragedy and trauma in your own life. There's a hundred other things that we've talked about over and over again here that make it so hard for you to feel the joy and motivation of worship. And those are real hurts. And sometimes they do necessitate taking a step back from worship for a time. Hear me say that's okay to do. I hope that that never happens to you, that you don't ever find yourself in that place. But we live in a broken world, and so for many of us, we do find ourselves in that place. My encouragement to you would be not to simply wait until that feeling reappears. Not to wait until you rediscover the longing for worship, but instead, when you're ready to come back to God's house to be with God's people, to lift up your hands and to bless the Lord and to trust that his promise is that you'll find the joy of worship slowly returning as you do that. So verses 1 and 2 are an invitation and a command to come and bless the Lord. But we also are blessed by the Lord in worship. Look back at verse 3. It says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. See, so far the blessing in our passage has been directed from us towards God, but here and now it returns from God to us. And this is just like how worship 
works. God invites us in. We bless him together. But then we leave this place receiving his blessing. So we're going to look at three characteristics of God's blessing as we close here. The first is that it's undeserved. The pastor and scholar Derek Kidner said it this way. He said, to bless God is to acknowledge gratefully what he is. But for him to bless man, he must make of man what he is not and give him what he has not. In other words, while God is worthy of our blessing, we're not worthy of his. We fall short. The Bible calls that sin. We talk about it every Sunday in our confession. We don't do the things that we're supposed to do. The things that we're not supposed to do, those are the things that we do. We fall short over and over again. But the amazing grace of God is that he continues every Sunday to offer you what you're not worthy of. Our sin should make us worthy, unworthy of God's blessing. But he continues to offer it every Sunday to us in the benediction. The second characteristic of God's blessing is that it's accessible it's near. Verse 3 says that the Lord blesses us from Zion. He offers a particular place for his blessing. We're invited into worship every week to actually come to God's house with God's people, an actual place we can receive his blessing. And that place is not far away, but it's near. Deuteronomy 30 in the Old Testament and Romans 10 in the New Testament both say that God's promise, God's blessing, is not far away, but near. His blessing isn't unreachable in heaven or beyond the sea. We actually can seek it out. We actually can find it somewhere. And that's here in worship. So his blessing is undeserved. But his blessing is accessible and near. And then finally in verse 3, we see that God's blessing goes with us from this place. Now you might miss this at first glance, but notice that the psalm ends with this little phrase saying that God is the maker of heaven and earth. That's a reminder to us that we may leave this physical place every Sunday, but we leave with God's blessing going with us back into God's world. His blessing extends to all of life. It extends to everywhere that we go. We talked earlier about the anxiety and the fear and the doubt and the sin that we bring with us to this place every week. But it's also true that we're going back out into a world that's full of those things. Each of us is going into this next week Anxious about something, afraid of something, doubting something, tempted by something. And so how do we continue to be hopeful every week? How do we continue to return to this place knowing that we're then going to go back out into that kind of world? Well, it's the hope that God's blessing is going with us. God, the maker of heaven and earth, offers us a blessing that is more powerful and more present than anything the world is going to muster against you this week. There's nowhere that you're going to go. There's nothing that you're going to encounter 
that isn't under the authority of God, the maker of heaven and earth. And so God's blessing is undeserved, it's near, and it also goes with us. All of this finds its greatest expression in the person of Jesus. The Israelites who would have sung this psalm in the temple at the end of their journey to Jerusalem, they would surely be wondering how God was going to accomplish extending this kind of blessing to them. How would the undeserved become deserving? How would this blessing that seems so far away with God up in heaven come near to them? How would this blessing of God that they found in the temple go with them through everything when they leave? Well, the New Testament tells us that the Old Testament was a shadow, but that Jesus is the substance. In Jesus, we find the answers to all those questions. How do the undeserving become deserving? The life, resurrection, or life, death, and resurrection of Jesus pays for your sins. It makes you a new creation that's now completely holy and deserving of every blessing from God. How does what seems far away come near? By the incarnation. God himself came near to us as near as possible by becoming a human being, taking on flesh. How does the blessing of God go with you everywhere you go? Because Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to seal you, and to go with you everywhere. So we said that this psalm is about blessing, and that's true. But the fullest expression of God's blessing is Jesus. And so this psalm is about Jesus. We don't see his name anywhere. But if we really begin to understand the nature of God's blessing, the way that God's blessing works in our lives, we begin to see Jesus all over it. So we're invited into worship. We're invited every Sunday into this place to bless God and then to receive God's blessing and then to express its fullness in our life with Jesus as we go out from this place. And this shapes us week by week into Jesus-like people, into people of blessing. We're able to step out into the storm of the world after Sunday morning with confidence because we have God's blessing in us and with us. We're able to share that blessing with the world and every place that we go because it's overflowing from us because of Jesus. We're able to bless in the same way that we've been blessed. We're going to come in a moment to the table to take communion together. And communion is both a reminder and an actual physical experience of God's blessing for you and me. We get to come to this table and actually experience the blessing together Let's do that now. Let me pray. Fathers, we come to the table. Whether we are here this morning and joyful to be in worship or uncertain or anxious or afraid, whether we've had a great week and fought against temptation or whether we've given in to temptation and sin, as we come to this table, we do pray that we would experience Jesus. 
that his life would be in us, it would go out through us, it would encourage us as we go into this week full of all the troubles of the world. We thank you for being with us through the power of your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.